You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. What's up, homies and homets? This is the Pimp Cron, and you're listening to the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast, where we talk hobby and we cater to casual and fluff players and generally shit on competitives but you know it's all a friendly game and we aim to spark the flame of hobby in all of you and that's the aim of the show so sure we got some corny jokes and whatnot but you know what we have a blast doing it so you may be wondering this is the beginning of the show pimpcron you're, you know, just kind of yapping at the mouth. What exactly are we listening to today? What exactly are we talking about? So what I want to tell you is that we are going to be talking about a bunch of things. And this is in no particular order. We are going to be talking about uh, the Tesseract mailbox. And there's uh, some neat, I won't go into it. It's just um, some fan mail, Tesseract mailbox, dude likes the show, whatever. But it's a twofer. You get two sections. It's two different messages there and then we have some well here's an idea and i am joined by cron jr and we discuss the rules for making an arctic world how exactly would that affect models and whatnot if you were living you know like fighting on planet hoth or whatever i am joined then by lore master alex for a want that or want that not for talking about the orc mech shop uh terrain that just came out recently and i won't give anything away with that you see i'm always so I'm always so tempted to be like, oh, and we talk about that, and blank. Like, just starts, you know, shooting out the mouth at what I want to say about that segment. But I'm like, you know what? These people need to sit here and listen to the segments. Why am I going to give this all ahead of time? I don't know why I do that. I just do it because I know, you know, it's pre-recorded. I know what we're going to say. But I got to stop myself. So... We've got the mech shop, want that or want that not. Then we also have Real Talk with the Pimpcron, Worst Hobby Store Stories, Part 2. And uh, that's pretty interesting. Judging by the record-setting number of views on the last episode, I think you guys will like the second episode. And you get a little bit of a uh, behind-the-scenes look at uh, exactly what went down before last short hammer and it was quite quite interesting Ooh, the drama the drama you'll love it and finally after all of that we discuss getting brutal with the pimp cron discussing how the ether realm is such a great setting to play fifth edition DD, or i suppose any edition of DD. but we're playing fifth edition DD in that setting and it is awesome so I discuss what we've been doing there for uh, about a year now. We've been in the ether realm with our D&D characters, but it's not just D&D. Remember, there's sci-fi, there's um, modern day, there's historical, there's everything in the ether realm. So we have to actually use a couple different supplements for that to make our different characters from different backgrounds, but it is a hell of a lot of fun. So I think I'll make this intro a bit short tonight, and we will get right into it. I appreciate you all listening, and I hope you enjoy it. Peace. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Well, we're at that point of the show again where we answer some fan mail, and this is the Tesseract mailbox. So let's dive in. Today I have a message from Mark, and he says, Hello, 
I was on my way to work this morning, and the bit with you and just James arguing over dice colors had me cracking up. My friend Wesley and I have argued over the exact same thing. Love the show, Mark. Hashtag team color matching. Well, <laughs> well Mark, I, um, I appreciate that you listen to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for writing in as well at uh, pimpcron at gmail.com is where this is from. Of course, you can also use facebook.com slash pimpcron. I think it is just awesome that you guys have been arguing about the same topic because it is near and dear to us. And like I said before, it is tearing James and I apart. We have been friends since, oh dear, we have been friends since 1995. That is how long we've been friends. So at this point in time, we have been friends for, what, 23 years. So this after all the other scandals that we've had, you know, all of our various gates, as they call them, you know, um, uh, fiascos and whatnot. Yeah, after all that, this is what's tearing us apart. I do appreciate that you have now coined the term team color matching, and I hope to use that hashtag all the time, except I'm just lying, I don't use hashtags, but I appreciate it. I appreciate the effort for our calls, and you know, honestly, uh, our friends are just wrong. Uh, your friend uh, Wesley and James, just James, are both just wrong. And that is that is the simple fact. It is science that color matching dice roll better for an army that they match colors with. And I'm sorry. That's just, that is just the way things are. And if they refuse to see that, then that, sh that says more about them than it does about you. And really what we need to do as good friends, we need to be the bigger person we have to understand that we're right and they are wrong. And we have to understand that they have problems. And we just need to be there for them as their dear friends and help them in their time of need. Don't stop being friends with Wesley over this dice thing. I can't dump just James because of this dice thing. We just can't do that because they really need a friend at this point in their life. If you are throwing all of your dice in a container and mixing them all up and it doesn't match your army, then... Honestly, you're at a low point, and that is, that's really sad, and you know, every gamer, or some gamers go through that, and I just, I, I'll pray to the Satan for Wesley and Just James, and hopefully they will see the side of reason. Well, this was a little bit short of a Tesseract mailbox, so what I would like to throw in is something that just freaking made my day. So as you all have heard me shilling for Shorehammer, because it's coming up in two weeks in Ocean City, Maryland, on uh, November 30th through December 2nd, it is Shorehammer 3, our third year, and it's um, bigger and better than last year. And what was I going to say? Oh, there is a message that... Uh, it, now, this is technically not a Tesseract mailbox, because technically he didn't say this to me, and technically he doesn't know I'm saying this on the air. And he... I don't know this person very well. So his name is, well, you know, I'm not going to say his name. So this guy, I was, I was reading this conversation between two people that both attend Shorehammer and the one person said, you know, uh, that he, well, you know, I'm just going to read the message instead of trying to paraphrase. I'm terrible at doing two things at one time. So I just don't have the Ram. I don't have the mental Ram to do two things at one time. So this is his unadulterated message. I'm not going to mention his name, but it very much warmed my heart and very much touched me. Okay. It touched me. I'm not even going to make that joke. So 
Well, I literally haven't touched my models since last year. I've been naughty and not played a game of 40k. But I loved Shorehammer 2017 so much I'm back for more abuse, probably with the same army. I should probably make an army list and submit it. Now, that might not sound much to you. It doesn't sound like much to you. But as the proprietor of Shorehammer and trying to, you know, the whole goal behind Shorehammer is, is it's a different type of event and it's all friendly and everyone's hanging out and having a fun time and the tournaments are pretty, you know, they have quite a few restrictions because I don't like cheesy shit. So the idea that somebody has literally not even played Warhammer this entire year since last Shorehammer, but he says that he loved Shorehammer 17 so much he's coming back this year and he has not touched his models in literally a year. That is awesome to me. And if you're listening, person who said that, uh, I didn't get his permission ahead of time to read this, so I'm not saying his name. But I really do appreciate you saying that. That really makes my night, because that's exactly what I'm aiming for. You know, Now, I'm watching these two people talk, and these two people I'm pretty sure didn't know each other prior to Shorehammer. And I know they don't live near each other. And... They both go, you know, come to Shorehammer, they make friends with each other, everybody makes friends. Um, after every Shorehammer, my friends list grows, because everyone just keeps in contact. I even go visit some of my friends in North Carolina from Shorehammer, and visit some of my friends in Pennsylvania from Shorehammer, and I'm certain that, uh, you know, at some point... Oh, we also go visit some of our friends um, in Western Maryland once a year. So, it's pretty cool that we have made this community, and people are making friends, and everybody has a blast, and it's just really relaxed and chill. So, I don't really mean this to be a PSA or an uh, advertisement for Shorehammer, but it just really, really made my day. And I figured I'd just throw it into Tesseract Mailbox. And you know what? If you don't like it, eat shit! You know what? That was rude of me. I probably shouldn't have said that. So, if you didn't like that, well, eat shit. Want that, or want that not? Alright, got the bread, getting the bologna, now I just gotta go to the refrigerator, get me some mustard. Hey Alex, it's time for Want That or Want That Not! Oh shit, Pimpcrop, what are you doing in my fridge? Never mind that. <laughs> but, but, uh, I'm making a sandwich! I don't give a shit, oh. we're recording now. Uh, 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 Alright. Fine, so we're recording now. Alright. Let me get out of it. Get out of here. Yeah, jeez, right. your foot's in my fucking milk. <laughs> you need to clean your fridge. Yeah. So, this is a want that or want that not, and in case you didn't notice. And um, I'm sorry to come here at this time of night, but it had to happen. Yeah, I, I just know. saw on my phone that there is a new train piece for orcs. Oh, yeah, the Mechboy Workshop. Here it is for you to look at. Oh, man. I... You know, it's funny, Pimcron, because, you know, you know, I do a lot of custom builds and stuff, and I've built a lot of crazy, orky mech shit for yes. you in the past. Yes. The war bike of the apocalypse, the two... My hover... pain boy in a war... A hover bike. On a hover bike. My war boss on a hover bike. The weird boy. Um, the weird boy, yeah. Yeah, and uh, all the other good stuff. Um, so, I have an affinity for mech boys, and I feel like a kinship to them. Uh -huh. So this just gets my motor running, no pun intended. Yeah. Um, I assure you there probably was a pun intended. Okay, but there was. Yeah. But uh, this is actually really, you know, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to say yes or no. It's just a terrain piece. Look at this terrain piece. <laughs> is, isn't this terrain? Terrain piece looked at indeed. I, it, yeah. You know, I love, what I really love is the attention to detail. 
when you look at like the workshop section, how uh-huh. he's got the he's got the little uh, he's got the engine up on a on a chain, and he's got all his little tools on a gantry on yeah. a on a uh, on a rack for you to look at. Yeah. Um. What I also really like is that it actually gives you advantages in game. Yeah. So apparently it buffs vehicles in the game. Um. And uh, so this is pretty neat because they're slowly seem to be coming out with different train pieces for each army that actually have game effects, like the um. Then what is it called? The the gnarl blight tree for Nurgle. I forget what it's called. Yeah. But um, we, they've got that, and um, the Aldanath Deepkin have those ships mm-hmm. that for AOS that give them buffs. Um, the Beastmen for AOS just got um that Their beast. Altar, yeah. yeah, that altar. Um, so it's pretty cool that they're actually starting to do this, and I I really like this idea. Yeah, it's nice to see them do it for other factions because you know the Imperium's always had you know Aegis defense lines and. Yeah, the gun turrets and all this and that. So it's nice to see, like, hey, the orcs have got something too now. Yeah, and I would love to make, I would love to build a terrain building and just put this mech shop in the building. Yeah, because you've got the, you've got the, um, like the, uh, the walls, the the holes in the wall. You know, you hang up your tools and all yeah. that. I can't think of what it's called. Instead of pep boys, it's mech boys. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just three orc heads on a on a display with glass. One's got glasses. You know what I mean? And like you said, if you look closely, there's a lot of detail to this. If you look at the barricades, there's like the grill of a truck, and there's tires, and there's um some parts that belong to the new Speed Freaks vehicles. Yeah, and uh, it's just really really cool. And you got like the light bulbs and stuff on the string. Yep. Every time I make a new mech, it's like Christmas. <laughs> yeah, those uh, those lights are pretty awesome because everyone's seen um, either used or seen somebody use that hanging bulb on a cord for working on an engine. Yeah, and he's got like a whole string of them. Uh, I just I can't say enough cool things about this. Um, I mean, well, I'll tell you what's cool is the price tag. Dude, forty dollars for that. I honestly, it seems like a lot of stuff for forty dollars. Yeah, I mean, and. I'm interested to see how the assembly goes. If it's easy to assemble, that's going to be great, too. Well, this does not look like the shitty Age of Sigmar train they made, where the plastic was weird. Yeah, um, it didn't conform correctly. Yes, and I have, um, I forget the one, it's the guy with uh, fighting a dragon, like that mural on a ruined building. Yeah. Um, whatever that one was. And uh, that went together like garbage. It didn't, none of the pieces, like each column was four pieces that glued together like in a, like four triangles. Yeah. And it did not, did not fit. You have oh, to f- I remember I had to put one of those together when we were building one for Shorehammer. Yeah. And it's just awful. Oh, it's yeah. awful. Um, this all appears like the detail is fine enough that I imagine it's plastic. It's yeah. not that weird plastic. Um, everybody complained about um, uh, that Age of Sigmar train that was that strange new type of plastic that sucked. Um, so all in all, like if you look at these barriers and everything, there's there's a ton of tiny detail to those, you know, like bolts and tires and all kinds of well, stuff. They got like ammo belts and stuff, yeah, strewn out at one of them. Yep, canisters. There's an engine block, fuel tanks. You look like a is that like a motor right there? Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, it's I just I really really like this. I don't know what the effect of uh, I mean, all I'm saying is is that you could buy, if you wanted to make a really cool terrain piece, buy two sets of this. No, you know what I could see you doing with this? What? Get one set and then get an orc truck. Oh, yeah. And, like, take the back, make, like, a flatbed, and put, like, his workshop in the back of the truck. If I'm not mistaken, you can um, not put the engine in the front of it. Like, the engine glue, the engine block glues into the truck. Yeah. Leave that out and have this engine block on the gantry. Like he's working on it? Yeah. Like... 
dude, I would buy two sets of this and make a building that had two walls of tools. I guarantee some of those tools come off too. You don't have oh, to yeah. glue them on the. Oh yeah. And you could really make a legit looking like mech base. Yeah, mech shop. And with all this terrain stuff on the side, you can either the... have it strewn around the base, yes. or you have it inside it, like he's working on it. And also, there are tons of uh, third party websites that sell, and I've seen them before. I haven't bought them yet, but um. The Cromlech and stuff like that. Uh, well, I don't know about them, but there's a ton of third third party websites that sell um stacks of tires. Yeah, like yeah. huge stacks of tires. Oh yeah. What was that one website we had both looked at before? It was like the junkyard or something, and he had a bunch of resin vehicles and resin. Yeah. I'm trying um, to think so hard. Oh jeez. It was like junk something. Scrapyard or something like Scrap Scarab or it was something like that. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and we had both been to that site, and he's got all kinds of train stuff like with stacked tires and whatever. And if yeah. you you could put like a one foot by one foot piece of MDF as the base, and then build a really really sweet building for this mech. Yeah, and have all this stuff. If you bought one or two sets, probably two sets would be better to have a lot of strewn about crap. And yeah. then like you said, buy an orc truck kit. And it would look awesome. I agree. Um, I so if you are, if you've said all that you want to say about it, yeah. Okay. Is this a want that or want that not for you? I don't even play orcs, and I want it just so I can <laughs> build a cool custom orc truck. And honestly, you know, this would go for anything that you want to make, like a mechanic shop. Like those those tools in there, they're you know crescent wrenches and everything else. They're they're not orc specific. A lot of it isn't. Yeah. You know, you, you could you could do some modification work and some custom work and make it into like a tech priest working on Absolutely. Something. And I yeah. think that would be really cool. Um it is an absolute uh it's not want that and it's not want that not for me. It's like want four. Want like four. I, I want yeah. like four of these things. And forty dollars for the price point, I don't think it's bad at all. It's not that bad. And it makes ton of uh, scatter terrain. Yeah. What you could do is um, take MDF and um, make them in different shapes, some oblong, some round, or whatever, and then take some of these uh, scatter terrain pieces and glue them on there and make like area terrain of junk. Yeah. And you could make like a whole like if, a crashed fighter, like an orc crashed ship or something. Yeah, or like a junkyard. You could just make a junkyard and have actual area terrain, like with room for models to fit in. Yeah. But it would have a base, so you would actually have like a defined area that is the area terrain. Exactly. And uh, that could look so cool. With, I agree. With um, I'm at least want to buy two. Yeah. I, I want that twice at I least. Want that twice. Yeah. Well, I want two of them, so maybe we could order four. <laughs> yeah. From, uh, from our game store. Yeah, I do not doubt for one second. I don't even know what the game effects are to this i just want it i just want it like yeah. it look, it looks awesome and you know that xenos terrain is so kind of few and far between yeah that i hope they make more stuff like this i imagine they probably will now that they're doing this they've got some tau scenery they've got some eldar the jungle scenery i remember back in the day when tau first came out in their old third edition codex uh-huh there was instructions on how to make a tau buildings out of plastic cups. Oh. And like how you would like add a little bit of like extra bits and then paint over it to look like it's Tau. Uh-huh. And I it still cracks up that now today you can just go out and buy it as built, which just cracks me up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's funny because Tau, I believe, was the first army to get any Xeno-specific terrain, which was that um that uh, Tidewall or whatever it's called. Yeah. And, um, uh, and at the time it was like, that's kind of weird. Like everything's Imperium. Why are they randomly picking Tau? 
but since then they've done Orc. I mean, uh, they've done Orc and Eldar and uh, Nurgle. You're slowly getting more terrain. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So I think it really adds something to the game. So that is our um, our uh, opinion. Opinion. I was gonna say ruling. Yeah. That is our ruling on this. It is want four of that. You agree? Agreed. All right. Let's move on. Now, here's an idea. Well, I guess you found yourself at the segment of the show where we have an idea, or a few. So, this is the Pimp Cron, and this is my son, Cron Jr. He is my special guest today for this segment. Say hello to everybody, Cron Jr. Hi, Hi, I'm Cron Jr. Nice (laughs) to meet you. Alright, so... You had an idea for uh, special mission rules or special battlefield rules, and what did you want to talk about today? Well, I wanted to talk about like a extremely cold, like um, place like Antarctica. Okay, so they're they're fighting like on an ice planet, okay. like Hoth in Star Wars. Yeah, and um, there would be it would be extremely cold. Okay, so if it was extremely cold. I think that vehicles might freeze up, things might break off vehicles. So let's say that every time a vehicle moves, you will roll a dice, and on a one, it takes a mortal wound because one of its tank tracks, you know, took some damage, or its exhaust pipe froze and broke off it, or something like that. Because this, this is, we're probably talking, you know, um, for you, those of you who use Fahrenheit, like negative 20 Fahrenheit. Like, this is a crazy, crazy, you know... Cold. So, also, you know, that would affect flesh. So, I think Space Marines and Cast Space Marines would be immune to any of this because of their suits. And, of course, Crisis suits. But any models that have any flesh exposed. And for the cases of, like, Mauler Fiends, I think I would just ignore it because they do have flesh, but they're mostly vehicles. If they have the vehicle keyword, just ignore this. But Monsters, Creatures, Bikers... Uh, troops, all of them, if they have flesh exposed, then they will take D2 mortal wounds at the start of each of their owner's turn. So a D2 means a 4-up is 2 mortals, a 3 below is 1 mortal. So you're definitely going to want to know about this mission ahead of time so that you can put everyone in paddy wagons and chimeras and whatnot. Um... I think that's good for as cold as it will be. What what else would ha- what, what uh, else would you find on Hoth? What Hall? about if there was a uh, bad like there is a uh, bad thing that happened and there's an avalanche? Okay, so I would not want to make the avalanche absolute, but I would want to make the avalanche always something you got to worry about. So why don't we do this? At the start of each player's turn, he rolls a dice. If he rolls a one the avalanche is on his right side of the board. So he will roll 5d6, and that's the number of inches, that it comes off the table edge towards the center of the board, and it covers the entire board from one player's side over to the other player's side. But it's coming from the right table edge towards the center, 5d6 inches, and any models within that 5d6 inches from the right side of the board will take a strength 8 hit with no AP. So they will automatically be hit by the avalanche, and they will take a strength 8 hit. So that means vehicles, that means infantry, anybody within that. 
and I feel like it would also cover up any terrain. So let's just remove any terrain that was within that range and just say that the rest of the game, that area is impassable, and any models that were in that range get pushed to the edge of that range. Any models that survive, that is, because that's that's pretty tough, getting hit with straight strength eight things. So that, that's pretty gross. So what else would you find? Um, what if there's, like, a whiteout, a really, uh, strong blizzard that, uh, like, you can't see anything? Okay, so we need something to limit visibility. So let's say that we are on the edge of a storm, and the storm is getting worse over the game, the course of the game. And I don't want it to, like, completely ruin the game, so we'll make it minimal, but it will still have an effect. So starting on turn two... All units on the board gain cover, whether they're in cover or they're not. And for the rest of the game, all units have cover. That will make people more durable. And because, you know, it's you're, it's getting harder and harder to see from the snow and the sleet and the wind and all that. But I feel like the storm should get worse over time. So starting turn two on, everybody gains cover. Starting turn four on, everybody is minus one to hit. So if you're shooting anything... It's minus one. Now, of course, the the fighting I don't think would be affected so much because you're close quarters. So I would not apply that to fighting. But for shooting ranged weapons, I think that was that's what I would do. Okay. Um. Uh, well. Uh, Is that about? Yeah, that's it. Okay. Well, there you have it. There's. Well, here's an idea. With the Pimp Cron and Cron Jr., do you have any parting words, Cron Jr.? Uh, well, um, make sure you study hard, kids. <laughs> there you have it, kids. Uh, the Cron Jr. tells you to stay in school and don't do drugs, right? Yeah. All right. Later. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimp Cron. And now we come to store number three. So we knew we had to jump ship. Our current store under a different owner, store number four, was not interested in, in accommodating Warhammer at all. Um, but like I said, different owner than we have now. So we had to all move another half hour in another direction to store number three. Now this place was in Delaware. Yeah. Store number three <laughs> was essentially in a pole barn behind someone's house. Yep. yep. And um, did it Couldn't have a get... bathroom? No. At the time when we moved in, no. Well, Took essentially, him a year, two years, more than that. He got a bathroom in the last six months that we were there. Yeah, like for like almost two years, we had no bathroom, no running water in that building at all. Where did everyone have to use the bathroom? I dug a hole in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> and we went around back behind the building, and what if you had to drop one? Uh, oh, you dude. went around back, or you went to Royal Farms? Yeah, we went to Royal Farms. I don't, Alex, maybe he went around back. We all. <laughs> Like civilized people, <laughs> and I, we weren't. I keep my... I keep two rolls of toilet paper in my car in case of emergencies. All right, <laughs> all right. We were civilized when we weren't pissing behind the yeah, store. We... <laughs> we would have to drive like what three miles down the road to use yeah. their toilet at a gas yeah. station. For those of you not in uh, familiar with Royal Farms, it's a gas station. Real fresh, real fast. Yeah, those bathrooms are not real <laughs> fresh. At, at I've walked into into one where a dude was snorting cocaine off of the sink. <laughs> uh, I, I don't doubt that. I, nothing I want to do in that bathroom. But anyway, so um, he didn't have a bathroom. 
it was lit like it was a friggin' dungeon, like a sex dungeon. Yeah. There was really poor lighting. I'm pretty sure it was a sex dungeon. <laughs> Have you ever seen the back of it? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. back room. So this guy was so disorganized that he had the store split long ways, half and half. The front half had enough tables for, like, maybe four to six tables if we really squished them in. Six if you were, like, on top of each other. Yeah. And then the whole half of it, the second, the back half of it, could have easily been more store, but it was like a junkyard. It yeah. was like It was like Sanford and Son. Yeah. It was like, you know, they actually had the music with a motion sensor. When you walked in, it would go... Burn, 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 yeah. Burn, 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 burn. Yeah. And um, he'd call you a dummy. No, I'm kidding. That's, that's he called me a dummy because I always kept on offering to clean his back room. But he wouldn't let anybody clean the back room. No. Not even his employee, who yeah. was his sister-in-law. Yeah. Um, his quote-unquote employee. Yeah. Yeah. So we have had a... Uh, do you guys want to add anything else about uh, store number three? Um, he liked to forget what you ordered. Yes. Yeah, that... that I... Uh, Will you go ahead, Just James? Oh no, you go ahead. Um, no, you. After, no, you. After you. Um, so yeah, he would. He would. You'd order something. Okay, so for my um, Space Wolves counts as squats. I wanted some Mantic models, the Forge Fathers, and I ordered them because I wanted to support the store. I ordered them through him, and like a week or two goes by, I check and he doesn't have them, and then a month goes by and he doesn't have them, and then two months go by and finally I said, well, screw it. He claimed he had ordered it, but I'm like, screw it, I'm not buying them now. And they never did come in, so I don't think he ever did. Yeah, no, but he I'm never like, did. I could have just bought them online and had them in a week. You know, like, you dumb ass. Um, right. Yeah, I did. Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, I ordered something, and it took so long to come in that I forgot. Because <laughs> uh, he was like, the, it was the uh, Vols Wrath battery support or whatever, Eldar. And uh, it was a set of three of them. And he was like, did you order this? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and then I, I, when, I, when I got home, I'm, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I think I did order that. <laughs> Two years ago. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, what about him selling the stuff that you did order? Like, if you pre-ordered stuff, he would take pre-orders. But he would turn and then, around and sell it. Then he'd sell it. Uh, I never had any experience with that. I've heard, only heard you guys talk about it. But it happened yeah. to Orc Bur- Dave. Burning of Prospero. Yeah, it happened to me. It happened to uh, uh, Loremaster. And, um, yeah, he would take orders and say, oh, like, uh, four, let's, you, you want four of this, of this codex or whatever, between all the people in our gaming group. And then we would come in the following Wednesday, and he'd have, like, two of them. And we're like, well, where's the other two? And he's like, oh, uh, some people came in this weekend, they wanted them, so I just gave them yours, and I'll reorder yours. We're like, bitch. That's not how this works. <laughs> what is a pre-order? You if make I them wait suckers wait. You make... Yeah. Uh, one good thing is that uh, we got the Tyranids Codex. Uh, was it a week before it was oh. supposed to be out? Yeah, I had no idea, and I should have done some sort of leak for it, but I didn't want to get him in trouble. Um, I should have done like a Bell of All Souls article with all the leaks. But yeah, we accidentally, and we didn't even know it because we wasted most of our time on that. We didn't know it wasn't supposed to be out yet. Uh-huh. And he gave our codex to us, and we're reading it and everything, and it was like three days later that they're like, oh, the codex is dropped, or, or you know, people start doing leaks or whatever. And we're yeah. like, oh, shit. I'm like, damn it, we should have leaked it. <laughs> Um, well then, so, but here's one thing I want to compliment store number three on. What? So, this is the first year we did Shorehammer. Uh-huh. And that, you know, guy did show up for that. 
You know what I mean? He did support us through the first Shorehammer, so we do have to kind of give him that. When I asked him to be a vendor for Shorehammer um, the first year, he actually was gung-ho, and he was very excited, and he didn't know, you know, none of none of us knew what it would end up being, so it was nice of him to actually support me. But, um, uh, so yeah, he wasn't, I mean, store number one was a total asshole. Store number two was kind of an asshole, but really just a druggie. Yeah. Store number three wasn't really an asshole. He was forgetful and badly organized and whatever, but he wasn't and really vindictive a vindictive bad... if you pissed him off. Um, I never pissed him off, so I never ran into that. Well, cultist gate. Um, oh, well, that, yeah. And uh, what about when Steve... Um, we still need to come up with a nickname for Steve. But um, Mr. Big Bank? No, Bliggity Blam Steve. Bliggity Blam Steve yeah. the man. Yeah. So, um... Steve, you know, because he always... Just James is looking at us like, why? Just, yeah, I don't... You don't get that? You never heard him go bliggity-blam? Maybe once. When Steve is doing really well in a game of Warhammer or in anything... He tends he to will run start, away with it. <laughs> he will start pelvic thrusting the air going bliggity-blam. Uh, yeah, I know about the table humping. <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, so Steve was like, "Hey, um, I want a White Dwarf subscription." Back when it was, um, was a weekly. Yeah, yeah, it was weekly, and um, so he told store no- owner number three that he wanted to look. Steve didn't come in all the time because he mo- lived probably the farthest of any of us from the store. Oh yeah, he would come in like once a month or so. But he said, "No matter what, I want the subscription, and I will pay you for however many issues are in my box, and I want a subscription." And well, codexes, any of that stuff that yes. comes out, just get one and put it in my box. And then store owner number three would sell some of Steve's issues before he could pick them up to other people. Yeah. So Steve would come in a month or two later, and he'd be like, oh, I should have eight issues. Let's say it's two months. I should have eight issues of White Dwarf. I have six issues. Where are the two missing issues? And owner number three would go, oh, I must have sold them. I didn't realize that. And Steve would be like, well, dude, now i got to go on eBay and pay triple the price for a back issue of something that... Because uh, Steve's a completionist. Yeah, I know. Um, so he needed... He wanted the whole... He he may have every White Dwarf ever made. I'm pretty sure he does. He's He's got long boxes and long boxes of White Dwarfs. I wouldn't be surprised. So, anyway, what about the floor at this store? Floor so clean, you could die off of it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, historians think that the floor of this store actually was the uh, ground zero for the bubonic plague, actually. It was weird because it was like, it had carpet. Yeah. That wasn't actually like proper carpeting. It's so when like... you stepped on it, like, it didn't have any underneath it, so it would be on just solid concrete. So it got real nasty. Okay, so this this carpet was not actually attached to the floor. It was like a huge throw carpet, yeah. basically. And if you were, it was so damn dirty that I guarantee you, if you drug it out into the sun and watered it, you would grow shit. Yeah. Like a guaranteed. No, like literally my feet would stick to it. Like it had like stickiness. So we used to make fun of it because we would play a game with the owner and he didn't know about it because people <laughs> would open up booster packs of magic and like just throw the wrappers on the floor. And so then you, you would make notice of a actual rapper and go okay that rapper's been there and the next week that rapper's still there and the next week that rapper's still there you and it all forever do you ever heard of this place it's a place down in delaware it's called the roadhouse it was famous for you to be able to get buckets of peanuts oh and you throw them on the floor and you throw them on the floor i felt like that's what it was like it was the roadhouse <laughs> of magic car 
Uh, yeah, heaven forbid you drop a dice down there. Oh, you oh, didn't that, even didn't uh, even. You never want it back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and remember, um, uh, some people would let their kids crawl under the tables oh, and yeah. stuff. Those people. Yeah. I don't know if their kids are still alive or not. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it was like poisoning your kids with mercury. <laughs> So, uh, and, you know, you walk out back to take a leak, and it just reeked of urine yeah. back there. Oh, man. I knew that there was a, a girl who went to this game store one time who... Well, that's a lie. No, no. No girl has ever gone. Well, her her boyfriend went there, so he she went there, and she wasn't the prettiest girl, but that decides the oh, God. point. God, Alex. <laughs> that's saying a lot. I'm just saying. How is this? I can't wait to hear how her attractiveness is relevant to the story. Go ahead. Because your, it gets worse. Send your letters to uh, Laura... Lord Master Alex over here. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so I rounded the corner one time, and this girl had her underwear down to her ankles, and she was firing a cruise missile of a turret against oh, the side of the store. What on earth? It was terrifying. Wow, that is, that's one for the record books. That is um, one. Between uh, store number two and store number three, I don't know if you guys did this in store number one, but we had to. Uh, it's kind of a, a little thing i don't know but uh we had to set up our own tables like we had to move our tables uh, and set them up ourselves we're in this new store we already have uh, tables ready to play on like a full-size table yeah we had to break out the actual tables and like move them yeah, around okay. and clear them store off number and two put and the three terrain we... out yeah well it's actually it's gotten better and better with each store because store number one with asshole we had to play in the hallway so not only did we have to set up our boards and our terrain, but we actually had to pull like fold out tables out into the hallway in order to play, or yeah. push display cases together and put a foam terrain mat yes. above it. He had a clear display case that we'd put this big tube of ply- plywood on, and yeah, uh. and um, oh man, that was bad. Then store number two, they did have tables available, but you still had to set everything up. You had to put all your terrain away. Like yeah, it, and you only had like what, like two tables? Um, like two. You could get three. There was oh. that that uh, uh, dresser, uh, and then uh, he had plywood that he put over top of uh, uh, the comic book section. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I forgot that. And now then, store number three. And had... you had to bring your own terrain. Oh, I always brought my own terrain. I didn't for store one because I didn't own terrain. But yeah. store number two and store number three, I always had to bring my own terrain. I would bring like three or four pallets, uh, like grape uh, cuties. Uh, yeah, orange pallets, you know, full of terrain, and that was that. I mean, that was fun to play on my own terrain. It's kind of a bitch though. Every week, um, yeah. So uh, now this, like you said, this newest store is the best store number four because we actually have a designated room for Warhammer. Yep. The terrain sits out on the table. Nobody bothers it. Um, so should we talk about Cultus Gate? Yeah. So um, okay. So this is a weird thing. Okay. So store number three. This was nobody jumped ship. That's the worst part. You know what? He this he, was last year. He kicked us off the boat. <laughs> no, no, this was last year. Yeah. I'm just realizing yeah. this yeah. because it was about this time last year that um he slowly lost all of his. Okay, wait, wait. We gotta start at the beginning of the story with the bathroom. So he was doing magic tournaments with no bathroom, with no bathroom and no running water, and eventually, like like big tournaments, like forty people in that in that place, and then eventually somebody complained to was it Wiz Kids or Wizards of the Wizard, Coast? Wizards of the Coast. Wizards of the Coast. Somebody complained to Wizards of the Coast that he didn't have a bathroom, so they like 
mailed him and said, are you fucking serious? You don't have a bathroom and you're a store that holds tournaments. They basically revoked his ability to have tournaments until he put in a bathroom. So he put in a bathroom, um, like let's say in March, he, he put in a bathroom, but the magic players all left and went to another store. I don't know where they went because he couldn't do events anymore. Couldn't do Friday night magic. Couldn't do any of that. Cause he didn't have a bathroom. Well, then he got a bathroom put in to our store and he was too proud. Somebody that worked for him told us that he was too proud to go back to Wizards of the Coast and say, hey, I have a bathroom now. Please reinstate me. So he never did. Yeah. So then he never got his magic players back. But the stupid thing is he went through the trouble of putting a bathroom in. Yeah. So he basically cut off his nose in spite of his face. Yes. And which is something he did again, which we'll get into in a second. Yes. So he um so he was slowly ostracizing all of his customers, which is like a theme here. Yeah. And um uh what was I gonna say? So when it came to Shorehammer time, um he was going to be my, my only GW uh vendor, you know, for a GW product. And um so he was the first year and he was going to be the second year, and all I asked in return was to please donate some models of cultists for our speed painting. Insert cultist gate. Yeah, I didn't... In, in the first year, he made a lot of money. Yes, yeah. He he made a lot of money, and it was worth it to him. So he was very, very excited about Shorehammer number two. Yeah. And meanwhile, I don't get any of this money. I was just, you know, I was just a vendor, whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was just a vendor. So, so he was supposed to donate some cultists. Well, you know, I plan everything to the T for Shorehammer because I want it to move very smoothly. I don't want any last-minute bullshit, none of that, none yeah. of that. So I asked him in June, uh, not this past June, but the June before, I asked him, please order, you know, let's say 15 cultists or 20 cultists, whatever. And he said, okay. And each month, I would say, hey, did you get those? And he goes, oh, no, I forgot. Or, oh, no, they'll be on the next order. Or, oh, no, whatever. So June, July, August, September, October. Well, at this point, I was getting pissed. Because yeah. I'm like, dude, I'm asking very, very, very little of you yeah. in order to be a vendor at short. Like, very little of you. So, And then he starts getting bitchy with me. Because he, um, I don't remember, I'm going to mess up the, the details of this. But basically, I said, I gave him an ultimatum. And I said, Look, you have one more week to order these cultists, or I'm going to find someone else to be a vendor for Shorehammer instead of you, because this has been six fucking months going on about this. So he, um, he, the, 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 the week ran out and he never contacted me. And I said, do you have the cultists? And I was getting really pissed at this point. And he said, oh, no, no, my rep, something, something, whatever. If you're a GW rep, just know that your your shitty customers always blame you for things they didn't do. Right. So he claimed his his rep messed up the order, whatever. And he said, I'll, I'll, I'll know tomorrow. And I said, okay, I'll give you one more day. By the end of the day, by the end of that next day, he didn't contact me. I contacted him again. And he goes, oh, I'll give me one more day. I said, dude, I've given you six months, a week, and a day. Like, and at this point, I don't think you even said that it was that or he wasn't going to be a rep or be the vendor. He was at, still he was still going to be the vendor. You were just going to go out and order it yourself. Uh, yes, actually. That was my last threat was that he wasn't going to be the vendor. But, yeah, you're right. So, at this point, I was still just going to go buy the cultist myself. So, we keep going back and forth, and I'm getting more and more pissed off. Uh-huh. And, finally, he says the legendary quote, chill, you're getting free shit. 
when when you showed me that text message, I was like, is this bitch serious? <laughs> oh my god, I was so mad. I'm like, dude, I have asked for half a year for like $15 worth of merchandise. That and is I, it. And I actually, because I was closer with the owner at this point, I actually called them and chewed them out about it. And saying like, look, just, you know, you should really kind of watch what you're saying because you're going to screw yourself over. I remember you saying that, yeah. yeah. And um, so at, at some point, uh, so the uh, cultists finally do come in. He messages me and says the cultists are in when I had already bought cultists. So I I thought to myself, um, oh, I didn't reply to him is what it was. I didn't mm-hmm. reply to him for a day because I went back on eBay. And the email said, and your, your silence says enough. It says enough, <laughs> yes. I forgot this. Okay, so. I was like, come so, on. Like, so you're not I, dating. You're not- so it was like, let's say at night, 8 p.m. on Friday, we'll just say. He messages me and says, your cultist came in. And I didn't reply because I, I had to go message the eBay seller and go, can I please have a refund? He had, I, don't, I had just bought him or whatever. Yeah. So I had to do that, and the guy said he'd refund me, and he wouldn't ship them or whatever. So the next morning, I I was going to message store owner number three and go, oh, I got to cancel my order. And I open up my messenger, and it says, your silence says enough. <laughs> and he said, you can find yourself another uh, Shorehammer vendor. And he said that I wasn't going to tell anybody this until after Shorehammer, but we're closing the store anyway. And um, so at that point, so he shot himself in the foot. Shot himself in the foot. This dumb bitch. Okay, right. he could have liquidated all of his. Did like some crazy sale at Shorehammer. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. he had a feeding frenzy of people that actually like GW product, and this dumb bitch couldn't get up fifteen dollars worth of product for me in order to literally liquidate his entire store, wipe his hands clean of it, and close the store. Yeah, on a good note. Yeah. But once again, pride. And mind you, now he is still selling that stuff on eBay. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, it's a yeah. year later, and most of the stuff is still on eBay, not sold. So that very day, like literally that day, I didn't know store, store owner number four very well at all. Like, we had like met a couple times. We had a couple mutual Warhammer friends. Now, mind you, this is store number four's newest owner. Yeah, not the original owner when we were at store number two. So store owner number four, immediately when I get that message from owner number three i messaged on facebook store owner owner number four and i said hey can i talk to you and he goes sure i said can i call you and he said sure like he's like what is it because we don't know each other very well yeah like what are you gonna tell me you got somebody hostage what and our group doesn't go to his store so he's thinking why on earth are you calling me right (laughs) right so i call him and i basically like made him pass out with all the information because i was like <laughs> okay uh i know this is short a short uh, notice but we have less than a month until short hammer and i want you to buy stock to be a vendor and i want to move our entire club to you like this week <laughs> so we heard sounds of like vicious masturbation so so he was like super on board he was super nice um he uh uh and what's funny is at this point I still didn't have the fucking cultists because <laughs> because you canceled I, the order with I eBay. I canceled the order with eBay and then I never got them from owner number 3 so I still don't have cultists. So store owner number 4, I said, "Can you please order me a small amount of cultists?" And lo and behold, it was like 2 days later and he had them. Yeah. And by the way, his rep is the same rep from number store number three. Yeah. It's the same rep. And I've met this rep oh because when God. I worked for my package shipping company, I worked with him too. He's a nice guy. Oh my God. He actually God. has a good sense of humor too. 
But it was just like, oh my Dude. god. So, little did they know that um, within... So, by the time that I talked to owner number three, and he said, go find yourself another vendor or whatever, within the next four days, which was until Wednesday... We had already organized the whole group. We had a new vendor for Shorehammer, and we had a new home for our gaming club. And that following Wednesday, we met at the new we store. We met at the new store. <laughs> and I never told store owner number three that at all, like that we yeah. were going to do that. He must have shown up on Wednesday and went like, "Where's everybody?" And then he unfriended me on Facebook. And well, he, he actually messaged me on Facebook asking if we were coming, and I didn't respond. Oh, well, yeah, it's what? see, kids. This is the reason why pride is one of the seven deadly sins. <laughs> you darn tootin'. Dang, oh James God. James hitting us with some real thought. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, so anyway, we, uh, oh, I wanted to say what I did. Now, I'm not usually a super vindictive person, but when someone pisses me off enough. Oh, is this about store number one? Store number one. After I wanted Chairgate. to save this to the end. After oh, Chairgate. Yeah. And him being such an asshole forever. When we moved abruptly, we grabbed the whole group and we moved them to store number two. Yep. For weeks after, I would text every Wednesday <laughs> store number one and go, hey, is everyone coming to, to Warhammer tonight? And he, <laughs> as I'm driving to store number two. <laughs> And he'd go, oh, no, I haven't heard from anybody. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll catch you next week. And then I would text him the following week and go, hey, did anyone contact you about Warhammer? And he's like, no, it's weird. And eventually there came a time, I don't know how many times I did this, but eventually he just stopped answering my texts. So I'm assuming at some point he got the hint or found out that we had moved or yeah. or whatever. See, kids, this is why greed is one of the seven deadly <laughs> sins. Oh, God. I think you're Pope James Paul is what you are. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, this has been a fun trip down memory lane. Um, so, now we have, um, let's talk Let's talk our, our local store up. Store number four is Phoenix Rising Games and Comics in Salisbury. Which is, like we got to say, is truly the Goldilocks story. You know, it's yeah, the it's, perfect It's really the worst one. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Uh, best one. You know, yeah. you know. like I said before, every time I sit on him, he's not too hard. <laughs> he's not too soft. He's just right. He is just right. Like that right. uncle who molests me. Yeah. Yeah. And um, no, now this place, let's let's count the ways. Uh, remember that, what is it, uh, Roger Rabbit? He's like, oh, how I love you. Let me count the ways. <laughs> Why? Um, so they have nice lighting in this store number four. Indoor plumbing. Yep. They have indoor plumbing. It's almost like we're not Amish, yeah. right? Uh, they have a, an actual bathroom, mm -hmm. and we have a designated area for tables and terrain and all of that. And um, he orders things when we ask him to order it, yep. which is almost magic. The floor's clean. The floor's clean, yeah, um, especially compared to bubonic floor number yeah, three. Yeah. yeah. Um, so all in all, and the owner's a really nice guy. Yeah. I actually helped him move last week. Yeah. <laughs> I kid you not. So it is really cool, finally, that we have found a store store number four, that uh, is just nice, and they, they completely, you know, whatever we want, they'll pre-order stuff for us or whatever. Um, very, very nice people. So we, we don't have to put the tables together. No, and I don't even have to bring my own terrain. I've no. gotten really lazy. Yeah. So they have their own terrain. So if, for no other reason, if you come to Shorehammer, buy something from the vendor right next to the entrance door, because that's our local store. They're great people. Uh... 
sit there and joke with him. Tell him how you heard about him. Oh yeah, tell him that you heard it on uh, on uh, Pimp Crown Warhammer podcast, and uh, I'll have him on eventually. But uh, I have never had the owner on. So, um, do you guys have anything else to add for that? Nope. Um, t- share with us, uh, write in if you can to the to the uh, Tesseract. Tell us about your worst game store experiences. That's the truth. I'm sure people have had some pretty bad experiences. I'm I'm actually really hoping that I could be in one of the Tesseract mailboxes for that. <laughs> Well, I thank you both for being on, Loremaster Alex and Just James. This has been a, a fun trip down memory lane. No problem. Thanks for having me. No problem. And we will catch you on the next segment. Let's get brutal. And in this edition of Get Brutal with the Pimpcron, we're going to discuss what we have been doing for the last year in my D&D group. And that would be using Brutality as a setting for Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. And without going into too much detail, you pretty much all know what Dungeons & Dragons is, and you pretty much all know what 5th Edition is, probably. Uh, unless you're a 3rd Edition holdout. So, the cool thing about setting Dungeons & Dragons campaign in the Ether Realm is that you can literally pull from any sort of background that you want for your character, and it's a very dirty, gritty, violent, mean, eh, kind of depressing setting that is a lot of fun to play in. Because when your character dies, you know, they come back and then you have to deal with the role-playing aspects of having an issue, you know, mentally with, with whatever killed you or whatnot. So it's very interesting as opposed to your character just dying and you have to roll for a new character. So, just as a quick rundown, we have had a ton of fun playing this, and I just wanted to go around real quick with our um, our parties, basically. And my character is named Tricky Fox, and he is from the children's book, Tricky, I think it's called Tricky Fox, I don't know. My children have had that book before, they go to the library all the time, and they rent that stuff. They rent that shit! So, Tricky Fox is from a children's book, and he is my character. He is quite tricky, but he does not... And he kind of shies away from combat a bit. He's a fox, so what do you expect? They're not big, they're not tough, they're not strong, but they are, you know, kind of cunning and kind of, you know, dexterous and whatnot. And the... We... Because Dungeons & Dragons doesn't cover all aspects of things, you know, such as, like, sci-fi or whatnot, I'm also using the Hellscapes uh, book, which is basically post-apocalyptic, and it's got all the stats. It's meant to be used with 5th edition D&D, but it's got all the stats for rifles and, you know, modern-day equipment as well. So um, eventually I should probably get their other supplement, which is sci-fi, because then we could throw some more sci-fi items and people in. But the basically, I am a, uh, I'm called a haggler. That's what my, my class, I'm a nomad ha- haggler, because Tricky always wants to, you know, like do business and whatnot. And my, uh, actually, Just James is in our Dungeons and Dragons group. And he is uh, a lizard called Balazar. Actually, he's an Argonian because his character is from the Skyrim setting. And uh, so he tries to kind of play his character as if he's a video game character. You know, like um, when we have somewhere to go, he just feels like he knows the way to go because, you know, you always have like a map marker on your map where to go. And he's used to just, you know, not really asking for directions. He just he just goes. And that's pretty interesting. He was uh, 
like my character was just like a farm hand, whatever, and and uh, nothing special. And his family owned a farm, and he was always trying to shirk his responsibilities and that sort of thing. Balazar, it comes from a wealthy, well-to-do uh, group of Argonians, and who never helped the little people. So Balazar decided that he was going to help the little people. So his whole goal as a character is always to try to help people. Anybody that's in stress, he helps them. And Loremaster Alex is also in our group, and he is playing a character called Gary, and he's from the Fallout setting. And basically, uh, Gary was always suicidal in Fallout, and finally when he got, you know, when he slipped into the Aether Realm, he finally decided to commit suicide, and he tried it a couple times, and he realized that he couldn't die. So, it's an interesting i mean like we've mentioned before suicide is no laughing matter whatsoever but as a philosophical kind of thing it's interesting if somebody were suicidal and then put in a place where they could not i mean they, they can commit suicide for a couple seconds and they come back it's a very interesting thing and he's done a lot of interesting things with his character and the development of that whole psychiatric issue and he's you know without going into too much detail and our friend Matt is actually from, uh, Mr. Matt, as I call him, is actually from Age of Sigmar. He is a um, uh, Caradron Overlord kind of guy. And he's exactly what you think a dwarf would be, but he's got a little more high-tech stuff than regular dwarves because the Caradron Overlords have higher-tech stuff. And his whole goal is to look for Aether Crystal, or what is it called? Aether Crystal? I think it is the the crystals that that power their ships, their blimps and whatnot. And he is convinced that this is not some dimension he's stuck in. He really thinks this is a realm in Age of Sigmar, and he can just fly out of it. And he he's dead set on that. He really thinks that that's what's going on. So it's very interesting. You see that we've got um, someone from a children's book, somebody from Skyrim, somebody from Age of Sigmar, somebody from Fallout. We have another character that's from the Blade Runner series, and we also have two characters that are actually from the, um, what was the Sword Coast or whatever, Dungeons and Dragons actual setting. Uh, two of our other players are from that setting. So it's been pretty interesting. We had a character from the Legend of Zelda series, and um, at some point we had Rick and Morty pop in from into our band. None of us like that, but they're gone now, and... We also had somebody from, gosh, it's some video game. I forget. It's one of the characters. They're gone now, too. Um, some fighting game where you get in a mech and you shoot, and it's online. It was all the rage a couple years ago. Maybe some of you are yelling at your scream, your, your uh, speaker. But whatever. So my point is, is that brutality makes a very, very interesting situation with... Um, in the setting of the ether realm, because is especially, and of course anything can be made to be futuristic or whatever, but it's very cool because like, for instance, lore master Alex's character from fallout has seen it up to modern day technology, maybe a little bit more. And the blade runner guy ha has seen into the future. So it's pretty interesting when, you know, we run into things where, you know, Tricky and Balazar and um, Bjorn, which is uh, Mr. Matt's character from Age of Sigmar. When we see some things like a television screen, we're like, what on earth is that? That is so cool. And we actually have the other players, Loremaster Alex and uh, Tim, 
actually have their characters explain to us how these things work. And it's it's pretty interesting. Meanwhile, you know, they may not know as much about growing crops or whatever as much as Balazar or Tricky would know because we come from medieval times. And uh, it's it's pretty cool dynamic, and we've ran into a ton of different stuff. Um, we've take we've destroyed a base of Efren's Consortium. We are currently in uh, Nevermore, which is that huge city in the southern part uh, between the, uh, just north of the Smiling Isles, if you look at the map. And uh, we've been to Port Zaytac, and we've been all through the Blur. We've been to Red Camp. We've been to we've just been a we've made our way completely through the southwest of the continent and onto the Psychotropics as well. So it's uh I'll get back to the lore next week, but I just wanted to mention that we have had an utter blast with this and the things that you can do with that. You know, you could have a RPG campaign where one of you is a Ninja Turtle and one of you is from Star Trek and one of you is from Ghostbusters and one of you is from whatever, you know, Thundercats if you wanted. Um, the only rule that we did is uh, we wanted room to make our own characters and flesh them out. So the only rule that we said is that you could not be a main character in any of these settings. You know, you could be, even if you wanted to be like some sub-character that has actually seen screen time, but not very much of it, you know. Let's say you're a um, transporter operator on the Enterprise. And, of course, I'm not talking about Miles O'Brien because he became, you know, chief engineer. But, uh... Anyway, the, if you're a transport operator or whatever, and you got a, a little bit of screen time, and they maybe mentioned your name once, then you've got tons of room to flesh out that character, how he got transported to the Ether Realm, and, and so on and so forth. So I'll stop uh, yapping about this, but if you are doing a reset to your D&D setting, I would highly suggest buying Hellscapes. And you're going to have to Google search Hellscapes. I forget what company makes these, because they also make a... Um, sci-fi version that works with D&D 5th edition as well. And between having base D&D and Hellscapes and the sci-fi one, you are fully equipped for literally anything that you could run into. Um, and that's not even counting reskinning things, you know, reskinning weapons and things like that. So, all right, I've blabbered long enough. I really do appreciate you guys listening to the show if you have made it this far into my rambling. And we will see you next Monday.